This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Wrap for Wednesday, March 29th. Increasing cloudiness later this morning. Then we're actually looking at a pretty blustery afternoon. Some rain showers or flurries and a lot of wind reaching for a high of 8 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, the feds introduce a big spending budget. Number two, a cold winter blast expected this afternoon. Number three, accused Kiel subway stabber was wanted in Newfoundland. Number four, Toronto City Council will declare the mayor's chair vacant today. Number five, the man who stabbed a Quebec police officer to death had a long history of violence. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.07 on a Wednesday morning, one degree, and one of the things you're going to have to take note of, it's in the five things you need to know, is, as Jess Kieran was just saying, this afternoon could end up being a little bit on the miserable side. Now, I'm not about to predict that it's going to interfere necessarily with your commute, but let's say, I mean, when we transit to and from wherever it is we're going, we're always pedestrians for the first and last leg. And being a pedestrian today is probably going to be a pain in the butt because it's going to be windy. Um, It's not going to be that cold, but we're expecting snow and blowing snow. Probably no major accumulation. I can't even imagine they're going to have to deploy the snow plows or even the salters and briners. But it's just going to be kind of an ugly afternoon, at least if the forecast holds. you know, I always say, once the weather happens by afternoon hours, what did that jackass on the radio say this morning about what the forecast was going to be? Um, so there is that to be noted for this afternoon. Um, budget is a big deal this morning. And actually, the budget, you know, un- unpacking a budget is always a bit of a double-edged sword when you're doing radio because... I mean, nothing gets more bread and butter than a budget, right? It's about whether or not you're getting a tax credit, whether or not your taxes are going up. And for people making more than $300,000, yes, indeed, you do. A portion of your taxes are going up. I don't know how many $300,000 plus people I'm talking to right now. Um, You know, so it is bread and butter. It's very much about the direction the government is taking and what you're going to be paying in taxes, what you're going to be getting out of the government with services. Um, normally, the budget is a fairly colorless affair that is very hard to unpack. This budget, though, is full of all kinds of things that are worthy of debate, which is why we'll be talking about it on the morning brief this morning. It's going to be former federal cabinet minister Lisa Raitt. She knows her way around federal politics and a budget. $497 billion is what your government plans to spend over the next fiscal year. So if I get my numbers correctly, is that a half a trillion? I never quite get, it's funny, back in the day, C.D. Howe, federal civil servant, once famously said, what's a million? Because he was just talking about the fact that for the federal government, a million dollars was a rounding error. Nowadays, a million dollars is probably what our federal government spends on paperclips. So now you get to what's a billion, I guess. Um, But not a lot of surprises in the budget. There is the dental plan, which I suppose is welcome news to an awful lot of people, unless you are one of those people who decries federal expenditures. But if you make under $90,000 per household, 
then you and your family are going to be eligible for the federal dental program. And in many ways, it's means tested. So I like this. And I also think, I mean, I have to think Canadian dentists just woke up this morning set to uh, run out the front door singing, Oh, what a beautiful morning. They woke up smiling. They did, indeed. Because... Um, this is going to be, they're, they're going to make bank on this. But at the same time, I have always wondered, when I was a kid in Quebec, we had a dental program. And there are a few things more important to your health. To be perfectly honest, in some respects, spending money on dentistry is more important than uh, having the general health care program, because the general health care program is there for you when you get into trouble. The dental program is probably going to prevent you from getting into some kinds of trouble. I mean, gum disease leads to heart disease. So this is probably uh, a very good investment. And I guess Jagmeet Singh can high five all the other members of the NDP uh, caucus on this one, because this was their idea. Last year, it was for everybody um, under 12. Now it's for Canadians generally who make less than $90,000. But here's Christia Freeland um, presenting the budget yesterday in the House and giving the usual florid commentary about how this is an investment in the future. We're ensuring that we can continue to invest in Canadians and in the Canadian economy for years to come, just as we have done since 2015. Because we know that investments in Canadians are also investments in our economy. Now, the deficit was supposed to be $36.4 billion. That was the projection last fall, but it is actually going to be $43 billion. I have to imagine there are quite a few contingency aspects to this budget because we don't know where the economy is headed. My own read, for what it's worth, I'm just one guy, but my own read is that this is going to be a very soft landing. They sank the brakes with increased interest rates, central bank rates, and that is putting a lot of headwinds on the general economy. Uh, people are spending a little less, but some of that has to do with inflation, not with the fact that the economy is slowing down. I certainly know that some of the leading indicators are showing just how significantly the economy is slowing down. But at the same time, I think this is going to be, you know, a couple of quarters where we'll have zero or mildly negative growth, and then we're just going to get back at it. Because, you know, we have not had a joblessness rate as low as this in a very, very long time. So I think what's happening is people are working, they're making money, they're a little worried about the economy, so they're banking that money. But then they're going to get back to this splurge of spending that we had at the end of COVID. That's just my prediction. Let's keep going. Uh, so we got the dental coverage. We've taken care of that. Um, oh, okay. Toronto. Nothing. As uh, Ben Spur notes in the Toronto Star this morning, we're now 0-2. The provincial government said there's no money for you last week in the budget. The federal government is saying no money for you in this budget. Um, it's hard to understate or overstate, actually. It's hard to overstate um, what an issue this is for the city of Toronto. And I get it. You're listening right now, wherever you may be. You're driving your car. You're lying in bed, staring at the ceiling. You're just puttering around the kitchen, making that first coffee. And you do not pay taxes in Toronto because you don't live in Torontonto. Maybe you're even an ex-Torontonian. And you say, 
I don't care. This is your problem to figure out. And now it is. And intriguingly, you know, I'm, I'm thinking after the show, I may head over to Toronto City Hall, although I got to check the schedule to see when council's meeting, because there's no point in my puttering around and, you know, bumping into people who are lining up to get married today. Um, Toronto City Council meets today for the first time since John Tory announced his surprise resignation. So there are a lot of circumstances that are going to come to bear today at Toronto City Hall, including the budget, but most importantly, basically the technical end to John Tory's administration, two terms in a bit. Okay, let's say good morning to John Moore from News Talk 1010 for what Toronto's talking about. And John, we know that the federal budget was unveiled yesterday and it looks like no money in it to help fill Toronto's COVID-19 shortfall. $497 billion that the federal government is going to spend. However, uh, they have not come up with any cash for Toronto. So we're now 0-2. I mean, Queen's Park didn't come up with any money. The feds have not come up with any money. There is the possibility, I know some people are saying that they're, you know, both governments may be waiting for us to elect a new mayor, and then maybe there'll be some negotiations. But it is time for a very serious sit-down mm -hmm. uh, in the city of Toronto to figure out what we're going to do, because we are way short. Mm -hmm. All right. And turning to this, John, uh, the teenager that was stabbed to death on Saturday at Kiel subway station, we're now learning that the man accused of killing Gabriel Megalis at Kiel station is actually wanted in Newfoundland as well. This is a sort of an extension or filling in the blanks, I guess, of a story that was in the Toronto Sun yesterday that said that he was on release, but we didn't know for what. Uh, but we are told that the 22-year-old person, man with no fixed address, who is under arrest for the murder of that 16-year-old, was actually wanted in Newfoundland. Uh, he was on release in Newfoundland after some sort of a violent interaction with a group of people. This is part of a much longer conversation, though, uh, because, you know, we also know, for example, that the uh, person now deceased who stabbed a police officer in Quebec was uh, a person with a violent history. Mm -hmm. So I think it's time for a pretty serious discussion about people who have a record, who have a violent history, who have a record of uh, mental illness, for example, um, that whether and you know, whether or not they should be at large. Mm -hmm. And we've been uh, showing some heartbreaking uh, testimony from the teenager's mother uh, mm -hmm. talking about what a great son uh, Gabriel was. Uh, City Council meeting for the first time today since the resignation of Mayor Tory, and they're set to work on some dates for the mayoral race. Yeah, this is the first time, as you mentioned, that City Council has met since John Tory's very surprising resignation. So I guess technically today the Tory era comes to an end because formally they will declare the mayor's seat empty. Not sure if that necessarily changes the status of the deputy mayor. She'll continue to be called the deputy mayor and continue to have mayoral powers. Um, but this does begin the cycle. We've already, according to the city clerk, announced that we have the election on the 26th of June. Nominations are going to open on the 3rd of mm -hmm. April. They'll close on the 12th of May. We have uh, probably about eight candidates, I think, declared so far. There may be one or two more, but uh, the field has definitely filled in. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I'm surprised you said eight. I, I feel like there's been more than that, but uh, we'll wait and see, John. Uh, <laughs> turning to this now, we know that, you know, the Fast and the Furious, street racing, stunt driving, that's okay. But in the city of Mississauga, it's a big no-no and Peel police are cracking down. 
Bonnie Crombie uh, tweeting out about this great work by Peel Police and 12 Division officers. Uh, apparently six stunt driving charges leveled, five vehicles seized, uh, seven criminal code charges, 24 provincial offense notices served. It's a pretty big problem in Mississauga, and that's owing to the fact that they have a lot of wide open areas, parking lots at malls, and very wide streets. Mm. So uh, street racing is very much a problem in Mississauga, and Bonnie Crombie has vowed to crack down. Mm-hmm. And we always end on something a little more lighter and fun. I'm sure, well, if you haven't seen it already, I suggest you uh, go on the internet and Google Pope Francis white puffer jacket. This image has gone <laughs> viral, uh, but it really speaks to the deception of AI and technology. When I saw this, I thought, wow, this pope mm -hmm. really rocks. I mean, the previous <laughs> pope actually had a reputation for uh, wearing Gucci and right. wearing, you know, like he loved his red slippers. Uh, this was a stylish Balenciaga puffer jacket, and the fact of the matter is the pope never wore it. This is entirely fake. But you're right, this is a wider story. This is not whether or not the pope rocks fashion. It's about how we can all be fooled. Mm -hmm. And there's some advice in one of the columns I was reading this morning about what you can look for. Uh, for one thing, the mm -hmm. Pope here uh, is holding a thermos, and I don't think the Pope walks around <laughs> with a thermos of coffee or a thermos of water. Uh, also, you can see that his crucifix uh -huh. only hangs from one side. The other side of the chain is missing. But, you know, all of that stuff uh -huh. is going to come to an end soon, and AI is going to be able to generate images, and we will not know if they are real. Exactly, and I think people should ask themselves, is it that cold in Vatican City this time of year? Maybe Bill knows? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty extreme jacket. All right, News Talk 1010's John Moore. Uh, always great to chat with you. Jennifer Shang over at CP24. And actually, yeah, it does get fairly chilly in Vatican City. I actually, when I first saw that image, I thought, that's amazing. Who got him that coat? And, and if you haven't seen this, we'll put it out so you can uh, take it in on our social media channels. But it's this great, it's very Fibo Bebo, uh, the Michelin man. It's this great, giant, fantastically white jacket. And frankly, the Pope looks great in it, but the whole thing was completely faked. And it used to be, you know, like five years ago when somebody created an image like that, you'd look at it and say, yeah, you just cut the head off somebody and put it on something else. Nowadays, they can do shading. They can do all kinds of technique and make things look entirely real. And, you know, if you take a look, for example, on the web, if you go looking for celebrities, there's all kinds that you'll end up seeing fake celebrity nudes. And again, they used to look like somebody's head was just cut off and placed on somebody else's body. Now, who can tell the difference? And as I was saying to Carmi Levy yesterday, our tech guy, because it was Tech Tuesday yesterday, if we can create fake stuff like this now, and the conversation we were having was about fake speech. It was an FM radio show host done by a bot. Um, if we can do that now, and yes, there are a couple of dicey aspects about it, but 10 years from now, it's pretty sure that we're going to be able to fake pretty well anything. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 537, one degree, and I want to give you the full context when we talk about the weather that we're expecting this afternoon, because it's not going to be disastrous. I don't think anybody's going to slide sideways down Avenue Road the way we often do when there's an afternoon snowfall during the drive home. But it 
certainly I'm, I'm looking at the forecast an hour by hour. It's a, it's a totally mixed bag. I mean, we get windy conditions. The temperature is expected to start dropping at 2 o'clock. We're going to go up to about 8, but then the temperature is going to drop. Um, then we get the wind and we get a bit of uh, blowing snow. So unpleasant, I guess, would be the best word. I don't think it's going to necessarily be dangerous. But we do have traffic reports every 15 minutes. So if we end up in some kind of a situation where visibility were to become an issue or where actually there is some accumulation, then the traffic desk will keep you up to date on that. So looking forward to hearing what our pundits have to say about today's or yesterday's budget. I mean, today is where we're interpreting it. But it's uh, it's a fat one. And yet, for example, when it comes to the dental plan, $7.3 billion, that is sizable spending. But I also think a dental plan is a good idea. And I think preventative dental care is going to improve the quality of life of Canadians. So I think it's a wise investment. I actually, for years, couldn't quite figure out why with our health care plan, with Medicare, uh, dental wasn't a part of that. And I get it. You know, if you want to go out and get uh, veneers, then no, the government shouldn't be paying for that. But if we want to prevent people from getting cavities, losing teeth, having gum disease, I think it's a, it's a good investment. Then you get into the somewhat more debatable question of the government's very ambitious green plan. And frankly, the reason for this, as quite a few observers have pointed out is because the Americans are getting quite aggressive about green stuff. And this is not entirely, you know, like, oh, well, we need to build more windmills in order to provide green energy, and that's going to cost us a lot of money. This is actually about investing in industry that is going to become uh, profitable and an engine for the economy. So, yes, I guess if you're philosophically opposed to the government choosing winners and losers, as people like to say, then you're not going to be that excited about the green initiative. But if you believe that we need some seed money in order to create an industry that is going to be the future of our economy as oil and gas, and, you know, independent of the budget, I was reading a report yesterday about how by 2050, the oil and gas industry is simply not going to be a player in the Canadian economy anymore. And that's because we are going to be moving toward green energy. And again, you know, this is a point I've been making a lot lately, but this is not out of some sort of feel-good aspect of, wouldn't it be sweet if we could all be green? This is about the fact that the future is green energy and green initiatives, and it is electric cars, and it is... Uh, battery storage of electricity that is generated by day by solar and wind. Um, it's not an alternative economy. It is the logical future economy. So, again, we can come back to whether or not you philosophically believe that the government should be pushing private industry and subsidizing private industry. And that's a, that's a legitimate argument. But in the past, investments in certain industries have led to those industries becoming independent and then becoming wealth generators. Uh, so that's, uh, that's the sort of grosso modo of the uh, budget. There is no plan to balance, which is beyond disturbing, because we are in uncertain times right now. But if you're a Keynesian, 
Keynes always said that what you do is when you're in a positive economy, the government should be saving money and paying down debt. When you're in a negative economy, then the government should try to cushion the fall by spending and sometimes spending through borrowing. Uh, the government should try to uh, support the economy. Problem is, if you go through probably the last 10 economic cycles, I don't think there was ever a time where government was in good economic times paying down the debt, um, reducing spending. So, yeah, we're in the point where it's just borrow, 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 borrow. So it's quite easy to be very cynical about this budget. I know some people will say, well, they're just trying to buy our votes. I don't think there's anybody waking up this morning saying, oh, my goodness, I am so much more excited about Justin Trudeau and the Liberals because of ABC. Uh, it's that they have a certain vision of the next five, ten years. Uh, but that vision, unfortunately, doesn't include the idea of balancing the budget. And then we get to the city of Toronto. And yes, again, I'm very mindful of the fact that a whole bunch of you listening right now do not live in Toronto and you don't care. Um, you probably should care if you are a person who spends any time in Toronto, like, you know, to work uh, or to come to a baseball game or a hockey game. Then again, increasingly with the level of violence in this town, I begin to suspect that some people simply aren't going to be coming in to Toronto. I Honestly, I was saying to Joe Cristiano, who produces this show, and is from New York City, I might add, that there is a serious 1974 vibe, 1974 New York vibe to Toronto right now. And the problem in New York is they reached a kind of spiral where the city was dirty, crime infested, where uh, Times Square was a no-go zone. And it got to the point where nobody, nobody was even going to go there. And so then businesses began to go bankrupt because nobody was going to the restaurants, nobody was buying the hot dogs, nobody was buying the souvenirs, nobody was touring. And, you know, I don't wish this fate on my city because I'm a huge Toronto booster, but I have an enormous amount of distress. And I can't, I, I think about this mayor's race and how urgently we need a mayor. With all due respect to Jennifer McKelvey, who I think is, is very good as a person who's currently inhabiting that office, I think she hits a lot of the right notes, but we're in crisis and we need a crisis mayor and we're not gonna get anybody until the 26th. And then what kind of runway do they need to get up to speed? So we get to the budget issue of the feds not ponying up a dollar for Toronto. We're screwed. You know, we did not get any relief from Queens Park. We did not get any relief from Ottawa. I think the figure is a billion dollars. I don't know where we're going to get it. Does this, it's interesting all the developments over the last little while and actually over the last couple of days. Um, the spike in crime, I think, is playing well for Mark Saunders because he came out of the gate saying he was for law and order and restoring a degree of uh, control in the city of Toronto. However, budget-wise, does this actually bolster Josh Matlow, who declared when he was in studio declaring that he was going to run for mayor, he said, I'm going to raise your taxes. And that really is the only solution, to be perfectly honest. I know that's a very uncomfortable thing. But if the feds in Queens Park are not going to bail us out, we have a stark choice. Reduce services, and there are probably some services we could reduce, or raise taxes. Uh, speaking of Toronto City Council, they will meet today for the first time since John Tory 
resigned? Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. And incidentally, every morning at uh, 6, we try to try to respect the clock and post it at 6. The Breakfast Wrap is posted. So if you are unable to stream our show wherever you go, then you can take the Breakfast Wrap and know that it contains all of the stuff that you need. Our whole intention is we bundled together all of the stuff that you basically need. So wherever you're going today, you'll have the weather, the five things you need to know, a quick uh, broad strokes treatment of the day's big stories. And that's all part of the Breakfast Wrap, which you can find wherever you get your post- podcasts. So yeah, Toronto City Council meeting today, and this is a highly technical thing. I mean, John Tory's been out of the picture. I don't know that he's done a single thing on the record since the night, oh, well, no, since the day he walked out of City Hall, which was a Friday afternoon after the budget had been passed. Um, But he will officially be declared not to be the mayor of Toronto today. Toronto City Council will declare his seat vacant, and then the city clerk is going to continue to initiate a timeline we're all familiar with. Uh, We have nominations for the race for mayor will open on the 3rd of April. That'll be interesting because it's uh, a very symbolic sort of thing to show up at City Hall and slap down the money and the, num- and the petition with the names on it and then say, I'm running for mayor and sign the sheets. So how will people time that? Who will be the first person? Will Josh Matlow and Mark Saunders end up colliding on their way to the clerk's desk? We'll find out. But uh, nominations open on the 3rd of April. They close on the 12th of May. I have to think almost everybody who's going to declare has done so already. So we have a pretty clear impression of the field. The only leading contender who has not publicly, has not actually said, yes, I'm running, would be Brad Bradford. And I know he listens to the show. So, you know, I guess sometimes I'm talking with you and I'm talking with those individuals at the same time. But I actually feel like the train has already pulled out of the station. And uh, I'm not providing advice to Brad Bradford. Maybe he would be a fine candidate, but I think maybe he's a young guy. And since the conservative field now is fairly clear, and I think Mark Saunders is the front runner in that department, maybe this is not the time. But then I also know, because I was just looking up at the screen on CP24 a little while ago, and Brad Bradford has been posting uh, videos of himself talking about public safety, I imagine. There was no sound. I've I've got a room full of TV monitors, so I watch all of the morning shows and I never hear them. Um, But he was standing on a subway platform in the most recent video I saw, so I have to think he's talking about safety on the TTC and in the subway system. Um, But yeah, I think that subway, let's stay with the metaphor, has uh, pulled out. Um, Let's see, advanced voting from June 8th to the 13th, and voting day will be the 26th of June. Then we have, you know, how quickly does that mayor take control? When does council actually meet? I, well, actually, we're we're looking for one of the city councillors who is a regular on our show to appear on the show today to give us a picture, because one thing I'd be very curious about is, you know, are they going to take a summer break or is city council going to immediately meet under a new mayor and get to the business of establishing a new administration? 
We learned yesterday from a Toronto Sun reporter that police sources were saying that the guy who was accused of stabbing a 16-year-old boy on the subway, or actually on a subway platform, was on release, quote-unquote. I'm making the quotation marks in the air. Because it was not clear if they were on bail, if they were on parole. There's all kinds of means by which you might be on release. But now it seems, according to documents I'm reading here, O'Brien Tobin, uh, who is actually it's Jordan O'Brien Tobin, is the 22-year-old accused in this murder, uh, pleaded guilty to threatening a group of individuals in February 2020, and he was ordered to stay away from them. Uh, this all happened in Newfoundland. And then he was wanted, but nobody knew where he was. And this is actually, I don't know if it necessarily amounts to an untold story, but there are a lot of people at large, and because we do not have a bounty system in Canada like they do in the States, if you are somebody who has skipped parole or skipped bail, police are on the lookout for you, but they're not actively. Nobody in the morning you know, is tasked with trying to hunt you down. So somebody like this individual who was uh, wanted for arrest in Newfoundland, was in Toronto, and, you know, basically unaccounted for. Meanwhile, heartbreaking interview done by our friends at CTV with the mother of the boy who was murdered. And I've observed this in the past. You know, sometimes somebody passes away and all of a sudden all of their sins are washed away and they were the greatest person in the world. And I always feel that that is unfair to genuinely good people and genuinely generous and, uh, and, and good-spirited people. And in this case, again, you know, every young person who ends up uh, being murdered in our city, their mother will give an interview in which they say they were a wonderful person. And then I'll dig into it and say, no, actually, he was dealing drugs. Um, but in this case, he just seems like a regular, happy 16-year-old boy. Hi, Gabriel. I miss him so much. He was a good, good kid. Gabriel, 16 years old, was a double black diamond snowboarder, wanted to climb Mount Everest. He wanted to study astrophysics. And as his mother said in that CTV interview, all my light has gone out. Meanwhile, another violent incident on the TTC. And uh, we're hoping to find John Burnside this morning to talk about everything that's going to be happening at Toronto City Council, but we'll have to talk to him again about the TTC. He was here on round one on Monday uh, and saying that he was in regular communication with the chief of police trying to figure out how to fix this wagon. I think the fix, you know me, uh, I've already said, let's put those 80 police officers back on the TTC. But uh, another incident, this happened at the Bathurst station. It actually happened last week, but we're only finding out about it now. 15-year-old boys riding up the escalator at Bathurst station, 9.15 a.m. on a Thursday morning. A man standing ahead of him turns around, punches him in the face. Complete stranger punches him in the face. Is it any wonder that parents these days are saying, you know, I'm going to drive my kids. They're going to walk. As soon as it's warm, maybe I'll put them on a bicycle, but I'm not putting them on the TTC. That's the breakfast wrap. My name is John Moore. 
I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.